So today's passage is Jeremiah 23. So I'll start by reading it. It's called Restoration After Exile. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought the people of Israel up out of the land of Egypt. But... As the Lord lives who brought out and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the land of the north and out of all the lands where he had driven them. Then they shall live in their own land. So I'll start by reading. Um, This is an article from a farming blog and it's called Do Sheep Need a Shepherd? Without a shepherd, sheep are prone to wandering off from the flock, and there's a reason for this. Naturally, sheep are hot-wired to follow each other. If you take a chance and have a look at their movements, you'll see this. The paths they follow are usually winding. They do this so that they can see ahead and behind. They can't help it. It's just part of who they are. Without a shepherd, one of the likely scenarios is that sheep follow each other off a cliff. Sheep's warming and following instincts are so strong that in 2006, one sheep tried to jump a 15-metre ravine, and all 400 followed and died. So if the sheep at the front of the flock tumbles down the cliff, it's quite likely the rest will too. Without a shepherd, it may also become hard for sheep to find pasture and water which they require for survival. In such a case, the ewes may become weak and unable to provide milk for their offspring, who then die. Another instance is they might get attacked by predators. Sheep are pretty defenceless animals and they can easily get picked off by predators. If sheep have no shepherd, their wool overgrows. It becomes matted, heavy, dirty, it's infected with parasites, which then infects them with diseases and internal worms, which may reduce their survival rate. Without a shepherd, their hooves are uncared for, which makes it hard for them to move. It's very easy for sheep to get lost. Because of their flocking mentality, they're likely to go astray on most occasions. They follow each other blindly, and they have an instinct to flock together so as to keep safe. So it means if the leader gets lost, the rest of the flock is lost too. So shepherd dogs are used because they're very intelligent, and they're usually skilled at herding. Shepherd dogs guide large flocks of sheep and act as a living fence. They prevent sheep from eating crops on farms and also from wandering off. They help the shepherds safely move the flock from one farm to their pasture land. They also protect and keep the flock safe from danger. Shepherding sheep can often be a tedious and hectic job. It requires one to be ever watchful and vigilant. 
vigilant. For this reason, it's only natural for the shepherd to get tired and overwhelmed. If this is the case with you, and you're wondering whether your flock can live without you, here's the answer. A sheep cannot live without a shepherd. So as I read that, you're probably thinking, yeah, I know we're going this camp. Yeah, we're like sheep, aren't we? We need the Lord, our shepherd, and actually there's quite a few examples across the Bible where we are sheep. Probably the most famous um, piece of scripture in the Old Testament is the Lord's my shepherd. This idea of him as a comforter, he's going to lead me out of the the valley of death. And you know, he stops us from toppling off the metaphorical cliff, whether it's You know, we're going down the wrong path, save us from addiction, whatever it might be, and we don't want our wool to get matted, you know, and we have maybe sheepdogs or our Christian friends, our Christian leaders who kind of keep us in. And actually there's something I think a bit disheartening about being compared to a sheep. You know, in today's society we're meant to be like, you know, go out on your own, don't be a sheep, be a shepherd. Um, you sort of see them as these rather defenceless, passive animals that sort of follow each other around. But I think as Christians, we're sort of quite used to, to that. And we know that we need the Lord our Shepherd. And we know that actually our faith encourages us to, to look to our Lord for guidance. But this passage starts, woe to the shepherds. It's pretty ominous, isn't it? quite late in the judgment. Because actually this is about the shepherds. The shepherds who have scattered their sheep, who've led them astray. And I think as I read this, it made me think about shepherds and their job, certainly in ancient times, you know, a shepherd was a, a lowly kind of gatherer of sheep, but they also used the term shepherd for kings, and specifically Jeremiah's, talk, Jeremiah's talking about the kings of Judah, and they you may know that the Lord has said, you don't need kings, Judah, you don't need kings, but they went ahead and you've got kings anyway, and they, they have scattered their sheep, they've gone on their own ways, they've gone on their own volition, and now God is, is wanting to call them back, and he says, I'm going to assume the role of the shepherd, and I'm going to find wherever they are and bring them back. And it made me think about shepherds as leaders and in our own society today. And, you know, looking around, where are our leaders and where have our, our leaders maybe fallen short or fallen down? And I think we see that all the time. Celebrities, politicians, footballers, the great and the good, how they fall. Even in the church. You know, the last 50 years has not been great for church in terms of scattering of sheep. But when I read this passage, it didn't speak to me about these big leaders and global leaders or national leaders. It spoke to me about us as shepherds. Because we're all shepherds. We're all guarders of flocks. It's not an accident we're here today. There will be a place in your life where you are a shepherd. It might be at home, as a mum, as a daughter, as a sibling, as a colleague. And so it made me think, where are there times in my life, or currently, or in the past, where I've kind of done things on my own volition and not really listened to what the Holy Spirit was doing? I'll tell you a story. When Rob and I came 
for this job, um, we felt a real calling to develop youth work and um, build on all the great stuff that Rachel was doing and we talked about it in the interview and um, you know we, we first kind of term we thought let's start let's start a youth service let's start a service 4.30 it's going to be great we're going to have loads we're going to bring all these people in this church at 4.30 it's um, perfect right, right ground so we put loads of time into the media and we got the people to come to worship and we got visiting speakers and we did food and the first few sessions were really encouraging and had some good, good conversations with people and then it was in lockdown so people were really glad to be outside and then it kind of went into winter and it wasn't, wasn't quite so well attended and we thought it's okay, we'll pick up in the spring and in the spring we did have people coming but it probably wasn't really families and it was so outnumbered by church people and volunteers and over the summer we we got together as a team and we prayed and we said I don't know this is what God wants us to do I don't think he wants us to have a service at 4.30 and you know it was funny each time uh, it came to Sunday it was sort of Robin and I would kind of 3 o'clock service at 4.30 does not have the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> there are lots of very good services that happen at different times of the day. I feel that this, at that juncture in this church for us, it, it wasn't the way that God wanted us to go. And that was hard for us because we felt like we're new, we're here, we want to make a difference, and we want to be, we want to show that we're, you know, going to bring all these people in. And actually, you know, we didn't. And so we had to stop. And we had to listen. And we had to be mindful of the Holy Spirit. And we had to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit wants. So that made me go look up obedience. And I, I think the definition is something like um, compliance with an order, law, or authority. I think we all know that. Know that. So then I looked up what compliance was. And there's an interesting study done in the 1950s with um, a guy called Solomon Ash. And he took, he had three lines on a piece of paper. Kind of a bit like these three here. These three are really amazing. A tall one, a medium one, and a short one. And he got five volunteers, and he showed them a, a fourth line, and he said, which line is most similar in length? It was very obvious. I mean, he showed them a tall line, and it was most similar to but when they had to come to the final ones, he put in that group four or five influencers who were part of the experiment, who all said, oh no, no, it's most, it's most close to the, to the shortest line. Do you know how many people agreed with the influencers? 75%. Even though it's so obvious it's wrong. <laughs> so, actually, compliance isn't always obedience, is it? 
Because sometimes it's going with the majority, and sometimes the majority is not where we need to be. And I think as Christians, we, we tread on that line quite a lot. You know, do you go with the flock or don't you? And I think that that obedience and that listening is is hard for us to do. And it's, I mean, it's very hard for us to do. Most of you know me quite well by now. I am a busy person. I love being busy. Robin said, I hate being in on the weekends with kids. Let's get out, let's do something. I'm busy meeting people, I'm busy doing things. Partly because I'm doing social, I love spending time with people. Partly because I'm thinking there's a ministry opportunity. But I'm terrible at being still. I'm just listening for the Lord. I try to get up early in the day. Even then, you know, my head's full of WhatsApp groups and lunches and what the kids are doing. So it's hard. It's hard to be still and to listen. But uh, most recently, I was invited to a life group. This life group runs here. I was invited to the world. And uh, I think there were about six or seven of us. And we had some lovely worship, really nice time in scripture. And then <clears throat> the worship, the, the life group leader put out this glass bowl. And it was full of old pieces of paper. And she said, in this bowl, there are everybody here is names, but they're from today. And we're going to prophesy over these names. So, it's interesting. So, um, she took out the first name, folded it on, and put it on the table, and we all had a pencil and paper. And she said, right, let's, let's prophesy over this person. We don't know who it is, let's prophesy over them. Jesus, please search, please show up, please give me something, give me a passage, give me anything. And um, it was really interesting. Of course, the Holy Spirit showed up. <laughs> and it was a real exercise in just trusting and waiting. Because you didn't know who that name was. It was somebody in this room. And you know what? It was amazing. We had words, we had visions, we had pieces of scripture. The lady sitting next to me got a piece of scripture that had the name of the person on the piece of paper. She didn't know. And people had drawings of you know, animals and baking. And, you know, it's not to say that all of that was directly from the Lord. It, you know, it has to be tested. Does it measure up with other things? You know, let's pray about that. But it was such an amazing exercise because it blessed all the people who were doing prophesying. And then all the people who had been prayed over got to take these notes home of, you know, this is what God was saying to me about you. And I was so encouraged by that life leader who just gently pushed us out and encouraged us just to wait and to be still and to be obedient to what God was saying. And I'll tell you another story about obedience. Sometime um, before Christmas, Ron and I, somebody decided we needed a second car. Sounds ridiculous now, doesn't it? But we, we were driving back from Devon and we thought, oh, we've got this van and oh, I don't really fit in a drive. We don't really drive it, but we're trying to run around. Yeah, let's get a run around car. So furiously on you know, Facebook, oh, found a little car, nice to see you there. Furiously feeling, vehicle check, insurance check, tax check. And we've driven it home. Oh, this is great. It's kind of nipping into tiny little spaces in bars. Look how small it is. Always going over the hills with the kids. Rob's parking right outside to go to the church. Right, great. We knew the brakes needed doing. Took it to the garage, got the brakes. Great. 
And about two weeks later, it literally starts making some groaning sounds, like it's in pain. Alright, this is going to be great. <laughs> so, we took it to the garage and we said, yeah, do you know what, bearings in the day. Like bearings. Is that expensive? No, it's not that expensive. The problem is, it's all rusted on the inside. When we thought that to take out, it was rusted. And it's sort of bit at the bottom to fit in. So I brought it quick. That's part of staying dead. You can't sell it because no one's going to buy it. It's exhausted. So more furious Googling, more traveling. Rob finds this um, mini, lovely, <coughs> really lovely Christian guy, car salesman. They pray, they spend time together, feel like this, this is great, God's in this. So Rob comes back, newer, shinier, red mini. The next day, starts making a growing sound. Is this for real? So Rob brings up the Christian guy. He says, no, no problem, I'll pay for whatever it is. I'll pay for it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how it is. Just feels oh, really heavy. We've spent so much time on this. And that night, the other church of Jesus man for dinner. And Rob and I were in the corner with a really good friend. And um, just as we were talking, he just said, I don't know how to be what are we thinking? We need two cars. We live in Bath. We can walk everywhere. This is just, oh, this is crazy. So, ring up my touch to the car salesman. He's like, yeah, I don't know if it's okay with that. But bring it back. Thank goodness for that. Takes it back, brings the rust bucket back, sits in our driveway. What are we going to do with this? No one's going to want to buy it. It's corroded. But let's put it away so that we really want to buy it. Anyway, lovely, lovely traffic in Wales. Come down. Yeah, we can do bags. It's a really good project for us. My mate in his garage, we can fix all that corrosion. And we got more than we quite strange for that. Oh, great. And uh, you may know Paul and Lady Little, the um, guys who come out to Mexico, and they're living in oh, hard, very rural uh, village, doing amazing things with the locals. And um, we've been following them. We had a WhatsApp with a, with a video call. And Paul has this um, bike and it's loaded up with like buckets and bits of wood because he's going around, you know, fixing guys in rooms. And we said, What will you bring for? He said, Well, we need a truck. I feel like we need a truck so we can get out more and we can load it up. Like, right. So we go to my internet and um, got, rid of, you know, got rid of the knee and actually felt very sensitive relief. And also, we were thinking of giving. You know, we've done about three services of giving. Here we are, like, hawking up cars in the driveway. I can't really feel right. <laughs> but this is not a story about, oh my gosh, what can I give to my way? No, no, no. This is a story about where we just felt like we, we were too greedy and we had gone off on our own way and not, not really listened to what God was saying to us. And there was great freedom in getting rid of that. <laughs> and being happy with what we've got. So, going back to our shepherds, I think what, what the passage was saying is encouraging us as shepherds, but encouraging us to be obedient and to listen. To listen for where he is. And where in our lives are we shepherds? Where we're maybe just doing things under our own power and not waiting 
for God to speak to us? And do we create those opportunities where we have space to listen? Because then when we listen to the instruction, we can obey. You know, verse 4 talks about these new shepherds. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to bring back those sheep. Wherever they've been driven out from, I'm going to bring them back. And that's an encouragement. It's an encouragement because we can be those shepherds where we can be attentive to our flock, you know, the, give them the justice, the, the mercy. I'm just going to go back and read that last paragraph. Shepherding sheep can often be a tedious and hectic job. It requires one to be ever watchful and ever vigilant. For this reason, it's only natural for the shepherd to get tired and overwhelmed. If this is the case for you, and you're wondering about whether your flock can live without you, here's the answer to your question. A sheep cannot live without a shepherd. Amen.